These days, if you're talking about stream processing, SQL is pretty much always a part of the conversation. And if you're talking about Flink and SQL, the Blink Planner is also always pretty top of mind. So Kenny and I sat down to chat about the Blink Planner and just how much it's helped move streaming SQL forward during this episode of Aventador Streams, a podcast about all things streaming data. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Aventador Streams. Kenny and I are here today and we are going to talk about a topic that is very near and dear to our hearts here at Aventador. And if you guys know anything about us, you'll know that. And also something that is becoming more and more prevalent and near and dear to everybody's hearts is they're using Apache Flink and that would be SQL or as we like to call it, continuous SQL. So we're excited to get started today. How's it going, Kenny? Good. How are you? Good. We're officially recording this one in the morning. So instead of asking if you have a beer in your hand, <laughs> are you good with coffee? I'm caffeinated, like, yes. Since we since we've started podcasting, I've been through two coffee makers. So <laughs> hopefully we're on a we're in a good spot now. <laughs> Is that because of the podcast? Yeah. Or... I don't know. I'll yeah. leave that up to the listener, I suppose. <laughs> Awesome. Well, let's just dive right in. And I think one of the reasons why this topic came up and we wanted to talk about it is in the conversations that we've been having lately, and especially with everything that we're hearing with Flink and all the stuff that you know, the community is doing, the Blink Planner keeps coming up more yeah. and more and right. hearing more and more about it. And I'll be the first one to say that <clears throat> as much as I understand a lot of things around this, the Blink Planner is just not something I think that I have dug super into, and I'm willing to bet, oh, while many of our listeners know about it, some may not totally right. understand it a little bit more. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about the Blink Planner and why it matters? Yeah, you're right. I could ima- I could totally imagine someone coming in who's not, you know, neck deep in the Flink community or, you know, stream processing community, and maybe they're interested in SQL or whatever. And, you know, we say something like the Blink Planner, they're going to, you know, what the hell is that? And where <laughs> does that fit on? in? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I'm not the authority, authoritative source here, but I'll give you, maybe our listeners, like a little bit of history, a little bit of, you know, what is the Blink Planner, where it came from, why it matters. Perfect. I'm able to talk through that a little bit. Um, yeah. So, you know, ultimately, you know, if you're coming from a SQL world, you can think of the Blink Planner as kind of like a SQL optimization engine. But that's a really, really, you know, broad definition. In the stream processing world, there's a lot more that goes on that's a lot different than in a traditional database system. Right. But, you know, ultimately the Blink Planner, the planner itself, there's a lot of changes with Blink. And I'll, I'll, I guess I'll talk about that here in a sec. Um, it, itself, the Blink Planner itself. Uh, component is mostly focused around, you know, the SQL implementation. So the way this all came, the way this whole thing came about, just kind of tell tell you in story format is um, Alibaba uh, was using Flink and ultimately forked it for their needs, for their specific needs around stream processing. And they were using it at scale, obviously, and they needed to do computations. They wanted to use SQL. They needed some performance improvements and, you know, various things. So, you know, ultimately, um, they forked it and called it Blink. Okay, so that was you know essentially a fork of um, of Flink called Blink, and that was at use in at Alibaba. And okay. a couple things had some so it had some interesting changes um, that in and of itself. Um, things like you know the way they deployed clusters was a little bit different and more optimized around performance. Um, you know things like uh, 
uh, inter- incremental checkpoints were a little bit right. different for recoverability reasons um, and and just being a little bit more efficient with state management. They had some did some cool work around async IO going back to database days. You know, obviously async IO when when that started happening in relational databases that was a big deal and that was a long time ago. So it's interesting to see that kind of come up in the stream processing world. Right. Um, but those none of those things are really like SQL things. Those are all just kind of like why you know part of part and parcel why they had well why they forked it and you know the kind of the performance pieces of it. The the Blink Planner was a little bit different. It's interesting, kind of like looking forward when we think about SQL. It's so cool to see, you know, like look, SQL is a declarative language. It's super easy to describe data. It's super easy to work with it, and SQL is awesome. And it's cool to see that you know that Alibaba, you know, this is going back to like you know let's call it 2016 at this point. Was right. really was really hip uh, on SQL as well, and realized the you know the value for developers. It, it's not even like some people say, oh, it's for business folks or whatever. It, no, not necessarily. It's just so convenient. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. And if you have to write a, a stream processing job, it's just super nice to be able to describe your data, write SQL, and and get done with your task. So anyway, so that's that's kind of you know part of I think of what, where the mindset was around SQL for them as well. It sounds like so. Anyway, so that's a little bit of the of that background. So the SQL um, improvements and changes that they had focused around things like, you know, different UDFs, how to join better, better query optimization. You know, they had this notion of dynamic tables, things like that. Right. So and it was all around kind of getting to this point of machine learning. So, you know, they did real-time machine learning. They wanted to do counting, uh, summation, and various statistics at scale and, and like very big scale. And so, you know, building the components out of Flink made a ton of sense, but, you know, SQL needed to have kind of some robust operators and robust capabilities. And so, you know, I remember back in those days, it was like, oh, yeah, the SQL engine that's just, you know, completely on steroids is the blink is the blink, <laughs> blink SQL engine. And that was the one that we were kind of tracking. We're like, okay, those guys are really deep into SQL, but it's a fork of Flink. So that, that, you know, created a problem essentially. Cause if you were on blink, cool. Uh, but if you're on Flink, you're like, well, can I have that stuff? And the answer was no, uh, until 1.9. So let's see. So 1.9 was somewhere, I guess it was that August ish when that came out. It sounds about right. And the story there was, you know, obviously they have to merge the two things. So, you know, uh, Alibaba bought data artisans. We all know that. And, and you know, then it was like right it on the wall. These, th- these two things are going to become one, but how long is it going to take? And when is that going to happen? Right. Um, and so, you know, roughly August of 2019, I suppose, if I'm getting my dates right, 1.9 came out. And... 1.9 was huge. Like 1.9 was the was unbelievable in the sense that, you know, now you had the combination of of the blink benefits with just mainline flink. And they did some cool things. Um like if you look into the flips and kind of look how the architecture changed, um so, you know, they realized that, so, okay, in Flink, you have the data set API, right, which is batch, right. and the data stream API, which is streaming. And those two APIs weren't congruent. Like, they op- they worked in different ways. You had to declare which one you were using. Um, uh, you know, and if, if you wrote it in one way and you wanted to write it, like, if you wrote it batch and you're like, oh, I have to do something in streaming, you'd have to essentially use, write, rewrite code. Right. And it, 
while it was awesome to have both capabilities on tap, they weren't really unified, right? So just to kind of point out the 95th percentile use case, I think we see everywhere is like, hey, I have this stream of stuff and I need to join it with this historical table. Can I just do that simply in SQL? And the answer is like, you know, that's really hard, right? <laughs> and, you know, because of state management right. and retractions and like the idea of taking something that's a batch oriented structure that's updated over a large time frame, and then take a stream of data and then continuously return results against those two. It's, it's very hard, right? That, that is a hard data management problem and to do it at scale and to do it with consistency, it's tip of the spear computer science, right? So that, right. that's crazy. Um, and it's hard. And I think, so what they've did, what they've done is realized, Hey, that's hard. And we're going to, you know, work towards solving it, which I think is killer, but um, that required some changes. Like we can't really have a data set API anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> what it looks like, you know, the, the latest and greatest changes at the, at, at least at 1.9 was look, let's just get rid of the data set uh, paradigm. It's all going to be data stream. And so, you know, that required some changes to the underlying um, you know, obviously to underlying code. And so that's cool. So now you have like this kind of, you know, more simplistic architecture and batch is still there. It's just, you're accessing it through the data stream API and some of the blink changes, you know, make that, make that possible. So, and at that time, one nine, you had your choice. Like you could choose the flink planner or the blink planner. And if you chose the blink, you of course get the blink features. If you don't, you don't. And that was done for legacy, kind of legacy reason. But that was cool because you got the the richer built-in functions uh, that we would expect from SQL, you know, like init cap and some of these string processing capabilities. These are just off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. um, rank and dense rank and, you know, things like that. And so things that, you know, honestly, are like a concat, I think is another one of them. Uh, I'm going off the top of my head. Maybe maybe our listeners can correct me if I'm getting some of these wrong. But uh, um, they're important because if you're, if, if you're a SQL nerd, and you're messing with SQL, um, then you know these these functions and capabilities are you're used to typing them. You use them all the time. I use concatenation uh, all the time to create like composite primary keys. Username, right. a list to make it up. Like username, last name. Well, Kenny's not super unique. Uh, Gorman's not super unique, but Kenny Gorman might be better right. uh, if I concatenate the two and maybe my my phone number or something. Um, that's even better if I don't have like an email or whatever. So. Like that kind of trickery and horseplay happens all the time in SQL. It's just part of why you why you'd even want to use SQL. Right. So and having these simple functions to operate in strings and and comparison operators that are a little bit more robust and especially set operators like um and and operators like rank and I think cubes in there and a few other things right. um, are killer. So so let me ask this question. I know solely because I. I to some degree, know our product back and forth. Like I know we use CalSite SQL, so it's it's ANSI SQL. Ah. It's the SQL most people know. Um, I know there are several, there are other folks out there who also in their streaming SQL product use ANSI SQL. There are some who use a more SQL-like language where it's SQL, but there are some different, definite differences that may trip some people up or once you learn them, you know, you just kind of have to learn something new. How, right. what is this? Yeah, man, that's a good question. So here's the thing. Here's the reality of it. We say that ANSI SQL, uh, having done SQL for 20 years, there is no real ANSI SQL. I mean, there is an ANSI SQL definition. Everybody right. says it's ANSI SQL compliant, but it's not really that. It's that there's there's functions um, that are above and beyond what ANSI SQL you know, specifies. Right. Um, when we say CalSite, we mean the streaming part of CalSite. 
that Flink supports. Right. So there's a subset or superset there, right? So it's super messy to actually define that, that you know, to be honest. I mean, in a marketing brochure, of course, we talk about, you know, the, the commonalities and all that stuff because it's important. Yeah. But like when you're when you're writing SQL, the way you write SQL is you'll probably try like this is just the reality of it. You'll probably try and write what you know. So if you've been using MySQL yeah. for years, you'll write MySQL and it'll either work or it won't. You'll be like, oh, crap. Is that how I join? Hold on. Let me check the docs. <laughs> and that this is how this is how it's been done for ages. And you go, oh, right. So when you join in the, in this, you, you know, you say join on versus like two, com like a comma between the tables. Okay. Right. So like even back in the day, like Oracle had different join syntax in MySQL or Postgres. And you just got used to the idea that like, okay, these differ slightly, but the concepts and the way the results are returned are always the same. It's just the grammar is slightly different. And right. so you just learn that over time. You learn that, oh, I'm switching to a different system. I'm just going to, you know, muck with the, with this grammar. Okay. What is it for this thing? Damn it. All right, here we go. And that's just normal. That's just uh, like the normal part and parcel for, for doing SQL. Um, I think uh, the blink, you know, additions, especially in functions are, are well known. Like if you use database for a while, okay. you'll know what init cap is, right? You'll know what concat okay. is. Like those are well known. Like concat just takes two inputs and it concats them together and returns a single string, right? Things like that. Um, init cap is, you know, it is initial capitalizations, right? So this right. Is, these are have been around for a long time and, and that's kind of just how it is. You know, the calcite thing is tricky and you bring that up and you're like, yeah, well, it's just calcite. True, but <laughs> it is only a subsite a subset of calcite in the part of it that's streaming. And even then, you know, it's like the best most authoritative source is really the Flink docs because the implementation of the calcite SQL can be different, you know, based on the fact that it's being implemented in Flink, not in like, you know, some other system. So okay, that's, yeah. that's a good question. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I occasionally have something decent. <laughs> I realize uh, I'm talking for like 10 minutes straight. I'm tired now. <laughs> no, 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 you're fine. So we, in all of that, and with what we were talking about, you know, the way that we think of SQL is, as people have heard us say, continuous SQL, because it's right. not something that where, you know, you go to a database, you run a query, you get a response, you're done. This is a continuously running. So, with the Blink Planner and the functionality that has come along with it and the updates that have come along with that, what, from a kind of continuous SQL capability, whether it's us or if there's anybody running, you know, SQL through Flink, right. what kind of capabilities are now unlocked that maybe you couldn't do before? Right now, um, Aventador supports uh, Flink 1.10.1, I believe. Um, as of today, uh, that could change tomorrow. 1.11 is out. Um, so there's that. In 1.9, like I said, the Blink Planner was optional. You would specify it. Right. In 1.10, it is the default. And so, you know, you kind of see in this, you know, over time, it will be the, I'm sure it will be the only planner. I think that's a good thing. In Eventador, when you use Eventador today, if you create a SQL Stream Builder cluster today, you get the Blink Planner and 1.10.1, I believe. So that's as of today. So that's that's the latest and greatest. So you can just immediately start writing SQL with Blink SQL, essentially. So list aggregation, last, oh, last value. I forgot about last value. That's a big one. Last value is essentially saying, you know, hey, take this column and, uh, and it, so last value is a function. It, it takes an okay. expression, right? And you can, 
you can send it basically the result of your query, like say over a window operator, it will return the last value of that particular expression or column, um, which is super powerful. So if you're taking, I'm just going to make up, I'm just shooting on the fly here. So it's probably a bad example, Mm -hmm. but like if you're taking airplane altitudes and you're trying to window them over the last 10 minutes, if you averaged an altitude over 10 minutes, that would probably be pretty bad, right? Like you, you, it may go up, it may go down, but average isn't like that might even not, it never, if you average altitude, it might never have actually been at that altitude. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, Cause you're just averaging, you lose precision. Right. Last value says, Hey, I got done with this window. What's the value right now? What's the la- latest value? So if it was descending, it would be the, you know, the lowest altitude in that window operator or whatever. So super powerful function. Um, yeah, so there's first and last there's things like, uh, like I said, rank rank is cool because rank like basically allows you to take a set and that set of data, then you can score it amongst itself. So in a streaming context, like you'll notice in every one of these things, I say window, right? Cause continuous mm-hmm. SQL requires time. Um, some right. notion of time. Uh, Cause if you don't have a notion of time, it never finishes. Right. So select star from table doesn't ever finish in, continuous SQL, right? This goes forever. You got to like give it a window operator. You got to say select star from table for like whatever, the next five minutes and then tell me what happened. So, so rank will, you know, you can give it a a data set and you can rank those results. So if you wanted to rank, you know, if you want to say like, give me the top five scores in this game data feed, this game stream, that would be perfect. Like rank is perfect for that. So things like that, you know, those are all kind of the new, new SQL capabilities that, um, and those are all available in SQL stream builder today. They're available in Flink 11, you know, the big difference, you know, using SQL stream builder versus just Flink is it's, it's interactive. Like if you, you can just actually play with that SQL. Um, it's a console, you, you know, you, you get feedback immediately, you get data back immediately and you can pick your sources and syncs and just kind of architect and, and creatively build your pipeline however you want. So, you know, instead of like crafting a low-level job and writing it in Scala, but putting SQL into the job or using something like the Flink SQL terminal, which is cool, but relatively rudimentary, you know, you, you get everything, you know, everything from soup to nuts with, with Aventador. And so we support the Blink Planner now, and, and that's been great. For me, the journey was, uh, you know, we use, we use a lot of uh, examples all the time to kind of show this stuff. And we talk about mm-hmm. airplane altitudes, uh, we have like ADSB examples out there. We we always talk about this fraud example. So we have a bunch of like these kind of known, you know, uh, hypothetical use cases. Right. And so many of those use cases are, were just so unlocked. You know, the usefulness is just totally unlocked when you can do things like last value. I told you about the kind of the airplane example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like CEP framework was really cool for doing stuff in, you know, fraud detection and things like that. Um, and that's all, you know, available now that was available before blink, but now, you know, it's, it's part of it as well. Yeah. Um, and just kind of the simplicity of like string functions. Part of the cool thing in SQL is just being able to, um, futz with the data and, and, and get the output that you need and having, you know, functions that allow you to, you know, mutate Unix time, just show me a human readable date from epoch. Okay. It's like, that's just has to be there. Right. Right. Um, things like date floor format and floor and some of these may have been there already. I'm just going off the top of my head. Um, uh, oh yeah. Like trim L trim R trim, you know, all this kind of stuff that just allows you to mess with strings, uh, padding, concatenation, init cap, regular expressions, all this stuff. And 
Flink had some of the stuff, uh, and I'm you know part of it is I can't remember what it did have and what it didn't have. Um, I'll just let the listeners look at the docs, um, and maybe they can comment and tell me how wrong I am. But um, <laughs> once you're able, to, last value for sure was like one of the ones that came in uh, part of the Blink Planner that was so powerful. So you know that basically unlocks a lot of capabilities in in SQL Stream Builder. You know, you can just build your SQL statements with this stuff. It's, you know, obviously, and then, you know, create materialized views and you're off to the races. So what we found a lot of people were having to do is actually create secondary. Um, they would either have to write a, a, a Flink job just to do something simple, which mm-hmm. is always annoying. It's like, I don't want to have to have a Java process in prod right. that just, you know, it's like, what does that thing do? Oh, it just lowercases everything. It's like, oh, come on. That's, I mean, that's a lot of work, a lot of scaffolding just, and people do that, right? They, they would just write up, you know, a Java process, a microservice right. that would attach to the stream and, and just do a simple thing to mutate the data. Maybe they would, you know, normalize the data in some way, like, you know, capitalization and, and concatenation, and maybe they would ignore values that are bogus and then pass it along. It's like, that's a lot of work just for a simple filter. And that's where right. SQL is so good. But if you don't have those primitives, then it's just hard to actually really do it. Right. And so the Blink Planner unlocks those use cases. Which it makes sense. I think you know, we're hearing more and more about it and it makes sense as folks in, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier, in a broader range of kind of job functions moving into data science, real-time analytics, folks who are doing those real-time dashboards need better, faster, easier access to things like streaming data, Um, SQL and being able to unlock some of these different things that you're talking about. I feel like would be incredibly crucial to them being able to do what they need to do. Yeah, that's, Right. That's what we want people to get. Right. Because if like in a lot of these organizations, you have a data team and they're like data engineers and those, those folks are super talented. They're under super, they're super busy. They're under a lot of stress. The organization, you know, every data, every organization is a data organization. Yeah. And every, the data engineers have to do all the work. (laughs) And and so you have a combination of, you know, backend engineers, like maybe Java programmers, Data engineers who are probably writing Java and, and Scala jobs too, but they're probably also doing a lot of the wiring and DevOpsy stuff, and mm-hmm. like everybody's really busy. And you know, for for a data scientist to say, "Hey, uh, I know I told you yesterday I needed all the folks from the you know from you know this particular county's list or array in for this voter thing," mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you know, but today it's a different list, and the data engineer is like, "Okay, I'll turn that around in a week." The, the data scientist is like, uh, okay, well, I'll take the next week off, right? Right. Because they just need that data. So, so right. So the SQL, the idea of plugging in SQL is so important, at least in my mind, and I, you know, and, I, and that's where we're going with the product, is let the analyst, let the data scientist, let the folks who are actually building products out of streaming data and, and now increasingly batch data um, and joining the two, allow those folks to have the tools they need to build it themselves and let the let the data engineering staff build those core you know building blocks and that core platform, and then let those guys self serve. And I, I mean that's the real promise in my mind of SQL. Of course, the data engineers can write Java or Scala to build those processors. They have that skill. They've been doing that for a long time. But it's and yes, it's more convenient and fun to use SQL, and, and they will for a lot of cases. But in the greater, like if you're the CTO you're looking at the same, like I've got four people who the entire organization's bottlenecked on or whatever. I need to hire more of those people. The answer might be, no, I just need to unlock the, that capability to a wider audience using 
something like SQL. And, and that promise is becoming, and it's not just us that, you know, is thinking this way. It's, it's, you know, the industry is going this way. I think we're, you know, I like to think of ourselves as kind of leading kind of this thought process and being thought leaders here, but it, the truth is, is that we're one of a bunch of folks. And I mentioned them in other podcasts. It's important. I, you know, I always think it's important to mention the other folks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you see KSQL doing a lot of this stuff, although it's more, it's much more about Kafka, but you see folks like materialize doing this. You see rock set kind of coming from a different direction. So this, there is a lot of thinking you see the Flink, um, the Flink SQL console, you know, getting more, more energy. And obviously, you know, I just told you like way back in 2016, you have Alibaba totally doubling down on SQL and, mm-hmm. and going this direction. So it's only going to be, I think SQL is only, only going to be more and more important and really getting the folks to, you know, open it up like a, like they, you know, relational databases took off when you had a SQL prompt and you could start typing queries into your data. We haven't right. really got there with streaming yet. And it sounds so, almost sounds so primitive and rudimentary, but we're starting to. And I think, you know, pretty soon we'll be able to just type in a query against a stream, join it with a, with a, you know, a batch table. Um, and you won't know the difference and you'll have the operators and functions you need. And bam, you know, now you have really powerful tooling to build like all these really cool use cases. Right. Well, so, and that leads me into, I think what my next question was going to be for you. And I think you answered some of it, but I want to give you the opportunity to build out if you want is, so what do you see as the impact long-term on streaming? Do you see a world where there really is no difference between batch and streaming because we've now made it so easy to, with something like SQL, bring those together like what do you think right in the next you know i hate to say five years because five years seems like an jesus right yeah in the right. data world but what do you see in the next you know six months year two years so on is well it's really starting to lead into right right so so we've seen you know so i talked a little bit about the alibaba history and blank and how we got to where we're at now uh as a community and I think that's so, you know, what the themes, the high level themes, you know, I talked about some of the details, but the high level themes are, you know, hey, um, batch and streaming must be, must be equal citizens. That's, it's clearly important that a regular old table can be joined with a high throughput stream at scale. Like that's mm-hmm. got to be a thing that has to work. And I think today it works, but I think tomorrow with the, you know, with the idea of, um, some of the Blink features, how they're doing uh, dynamic tables, how we're doing user-defined table functions. Um, some of these capabilities are really going to help in that area. So I'm not sure we're a thousand percent there yet. Because t- look yeah. at it this way: if you think of Spark, so Spark, right, is just you know I'm going to categorize it in broad brushstrokes here, but you know Spark is batch first, streaming second, and it works. It, it's got really good APIs. Uh, Spark SQLs you know, well-known by a lot of people querying streams with Spark and, and Spark streaming is by comparison of things like using, you know, Kafka or Pulsar and Flink is Neanderthal, but it works. And so you have it, it's mostly useful, but it's kind of a batch first thing. And I think what the cool thing about what's happening here is, is, and the, is the hard work is being done um, and hats off to the community, you know, especially the folks from, yeah. from Alibaba who, 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 you know, are now core committers putting in those really really hard, very clever changes to, to make SQL work on streams as if, as a first-class citizen, right? And right. bring in batch um, as par- underneath that, that data stream API. So I think, you know, ultimately, yeah, that's where it's going. Um, I think 
if we're going to be successful as a community, we have to make streams just feel like a database. And that is yeah. a hard, that is a super hard paradigm. That's why, you know, it's like, there's all sorts of differences, right? There's, it, it's, we're using jobs to process at scale. Like, first of all, with state and recoverability. And, and, you know, I talked about async I and all that stuff had to be built to make this happen. On top of that, we had to have all the right, you know, similar kind of grammar and all the kind of functions. And a lot of them are really hard to do in a streaming context. It's not like, um, rank over a data set that has a finite boundary, it's way easier than building, doing that in a streaming context and returning results, you know, incrementally. Like the whole idea, with, like when you join against a, a batch table, you have to retract, right? You have to keep current with the changes that happen in that, in that, in that batch construct. So it's hard and, and writing the code and testing the code and making sure it works in a reliable and scalable way is, 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 I mean, it's God's work, man. So there, uh, <laughs> So that I, that's where I see it going. I see us as a community, um, you know, our goal is to kind of bring that to the masses and help folks really build on top of that right? and widen the the use, the audience and use cases that can actually use this stuff. Um, so you don't have to be a programmer. You don't have to have a, a Java console to do it. You could just, you know, open VI and start typing SQL. So um, something like that. Um, but anyway, that's, that's where it's kind of going. More and more people are using Flink. And I think Flink, uh, when we started off, we looked Eric and I would look at each other and go, I don't know, is Flink going to be a thing? It's super complex. And like, is that really the right answer? And the answer is like, yeah, it was exactly the right answer. And the original, you know, creators of Flink, uh, hats off to them. And, you know, we've had a bunch of them on the podcast and, you know, just keeps growing and growing. And I, so it's I, pretty exciting. You know, I can't wait to see kind of how things go next. It's a thrill to like, just create, just write a piece of SQL and just launch it against the stream. And, yeah. Bam, I just get my results continuously forever and they're correct. And, you know, if the job stops, um, they pick up where they left off. The window operator doesn't have to reread the whole window. It picks up right where it left off. That's intoxicating. Uh, the idea that uh, if I need to upgrade my job and change my SQL, I can stop my job with save point. That's another thing I forgot to mention. You can now stop with save point um, and change it and then start up again. Like that's crazy. Um, yeah. That's really, really cool. So a lot of neat capabilities and all around trying to make it a much more like feeling like a database. Well, and it just makes it, I will say this, it makes it a lot easier. I think also for folks who are outside of the data realm to interact with the streaming data as well. We have recently started using it for a specific marketing function internally. Right. And right. you know, Kenny went and wrote a SQL job to get data to where I needed it to be, but also said, here's the materialized view. If you want to just go look at it here, just go look at it here, click on the link. It takes you to a place you can see it. There you go. And it took no time at all. And for something like that, that we want to be able to see in a streaming capacity is really, I've never as a marketing person been able to have somebody give me something like that, um, where I can look at the data that I need to look at it in real time without it being a huge you know, massive company initiative. So. Right. Like cool. most of this stuff's tribal, right? We were talking about the data scientist who like emails his buddy for the database creds and, yeah. and then gets a login and starts hacking away. Right. Like it's like this ridiculous tribalness. And, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with that streams are still opaque to the organization. Yeah. Like as much as we've done in the last five years around Kafka and, and, you know, all the awareness there and that kind of thing. If you ask a data scientist, hey, can you just, you want to do some, you know, machine learning on your clickstream data? 
like they don't know how to get to it. It's it, <laughs> right. it, most, most of the time somebody in the data engineering team has written, you know, a consumer to put that data into a database. And then they've, you know, the data scientist asks his buddy for the login and they get it. That's really not streaming data. That's just, that's just, you know, that's, just get, data. that's getting by. Yeah. That's not. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Right. So in, like in our case, you know, we, we obviously we got to eat our own dog food. So like the use case you talked about is like, hey, if leads are coming in from our partner, um, those leads need to be processed in real time, routed in real time, aggregated in real time, and then put in the various systems. So in our case, it's it's not, I can't wait for it to be at mega scale. You know, if we had billions <laughs> of leads coming in a day, that'd be right. awesome. But it, you know, it's not yet. So we'll be there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, today, today, when it comes, when those leads come in, they get filtered and aggregated and deduped and jammed into our uh, CRM. And we do that via webhook. So like one of the things on Aventador, just to brag for a sec, uh, one of the things Aventador has is a webhook sync. So you can actually configure a webhook and hit an API. So message by message, or it doesn't have to be message by message, but in our case it is, you just call a webhook, you do a post and, you know, you can hit an API with an API key and, you know, integrate with systems that way. So super easy. Also send email alerts, um, that kind of thing. Um, and then also do statistics, right? So we want to be able to do aggregations and statistics and then route those to various dashboards and things like that. So right. building a system like that, you know, used to be like, you know, a ton of backend engineering work today. It's three or four different SQL jobs that do various different things and have various single source and various syncs. And it's kind of that simple. And I think like a lot of organizations should be thinking that way on, on a variety of levels. So um, yeah. even, even with smaller systems that are, that you plan to grow and, and want to use in various new ways. So, well, I think it might be time for another cup of coffee. If there's anything else. I had three. Oh, that probably shows. Oh, <laughs> maybe Kenny doesn't need it today. Yeah. But no, I mean, this is, look, I joke about, you know, going to grab coffee, but this is a really, it's a, let's face it. It's a topic. SQL on streaming is a topic that is everywhere at this point. And the yeah. advances that are being made across the board are really spectacular and it's making it such that, you know, we kind of, from the marketing perspective, you kind of laughingly joke as you do materials and you're like, it's, you can do things you've never done before, but that <laughs> it's, and it's actually really, I mean, it's like crazy as it sounds when you say, it, and it seems very like marketing fluff. It's actually really quite true. And it's just, it's nice to see. And, and to your point earlier, I mean, a lot of it is thanks to the community as well. Oh, I yeah. think, um, just yeah, I was going to double down on that. The, the work that folks have been doing, and I really try to characterize it as tip of the tip of the spear computer science. It, yeah. it really is. And that's, you know, the teams at Alibaba, the, the folks at Data Artisans um, and, and the other con uh, contributors that are, you know, yeah. uh, adding code now, man, hats off, like excellent work. Flink, you know, it can just like anything, sometimes you curse or whatever, but um, <laughs> most, you know, it is actually, we, we brag about it all the time here. So, you know, it, yeah. it's amazing. The community hats off. We continue to participate and, and fund where the you know, appropriate and, and participate where appropriate and, you know, as we, as we can and continue forward. So if you haven't tried Flink and this sounds cool, you should go download Flink. If nothing else, go download Flink and play with it. Yeah. Um, because it's it's awesome piece of software and um, it's the community's growing and growing. It's a fun and very, very cool and smart uh, community. Awesome. I would agree with that. All right. Thanks, Kenny. Appreciate All right. Thanks, it. Leslie. Bye. Well, there you have it, folks. The good and the awesome about the Blink Planner. If you're interested in learning more about Blink, 
check out some of the presentations at past Link Forward events. Or as always, you can reach out to us at hello at Aventador.io or on Twitter at Aventador Labs. Also, if you're using Apache Flink, want to use SQL, and you're on Microsoft Azure, we've got just the SQL solution for you. The Aventador platform is now on the Azure Marketplace, so head over there to check it out. Happy streaming!